did actually feel very cynical. He almost felt uh, slightly critical. And if I can say this, a little bit ungodly. Some of the phrase, some of the phraseology in the pages made me a little confused because it seemed to be conflicting things. Yet this book spoke to me and it hasn't left me back into 2016. It has not left me. And there are some things that I continue to meditate on and the Lord begins to speak to me about from the pages of this book. It challenged me about life and death. It challenged me about riches and poverty, about purpose and procrastination, about worthwhile labour and the laziness of man. It made me think about my character and my attitude and my leadership. There are so many verses in this in this book that have been doubly underlined. There's just a few of them, just notes of pages that I've just made upon the pages of of the book because I've needed to just get a greater understanding. What I want to do just for a moment, because of time, is just go through some of those. So I wonder if we could run the, the media because I want to just take a few of these verses, not gonna necessarily preach into them because I wanna preach around them, and try and help us to understand a little bit of the flavour of this book. In Ecclesiastes 2 verse 4, it says, I undertook great projects. And he talks about some of the projects that he undertook, building gardens, building vineyards, houses, slaves, all the rest of it. And then in verse 9, it says this, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. In all this, my wisdom stayed with me. Verse 10, that I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labour and this was the reward for all my toll. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. Let me continue to just say some other verses and there are many of them but these are ones that stuck out to me. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 8. It says this, I'm determined to preach from this, a gospel message at some point. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. And there was no end to his toil. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 13. Better a poor but wise youth than an old but foolish king who longer knows how to heed a warning. For those who are grey-haired, Phil, or white-haired, we best heed this warning. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 6, it says there, do not let your mouth lead you into sin. Hello. Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 10, whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Ecclesiastes 5.15 Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb. And as everyone comes, so they depart. They take nothing from their toil that they can carry in their hands. Was it King Nebuchadnezzar who filled his coffin with gold and all the stuff because he thought, or one of the pharaohs or one of the kings thought he could take it with him? 
You can't take anything with us, guys. Ecclesiastes 6 verse 7. We work to feed our appetites. Meanwhile, our souls go hungry. Oh my goodness. If there's ever a message that needs to be delivered to the church and to the world, it's this. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 1. A good reputation is better than a fat bank account. Your death date tells you more than your birth date. Selah. Ecclesiastes 9 verse 4 through to 6. Still anyone selected out for life has hope. For as they say, a living dog is better than a dead lion. The living at least know something, even if it's only that they're going to die. But the dead know nothing and get nothing. They're a minus that no one remembers. Their, love, their loves, their hates, yes, even their dreams are long gone. There's not a trace of them left in the affairs of this earth. Then it says, seize life and eat bread with gusto. Hip, hip. Aren't we glad the, the, feast, the, the fasting's over? Some Brinley was off the bread and there was others who weren't eating the bread. There you've got it. There's the word of the Lord. Eat bread with gusto, okay? But the point is, seize this life that you're beginning. Quickly, Ecclesiastes 9.17, the quiet words of the wise are more effective than the ranting of a king of fools. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 4. This is to be a good one for all of us as we go into confrontation situations. Calmness can lay great offences to rest. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 20. I thought I'd just drop it in because I liked this one when I read it. Don't badmouth your leaders, not even under your breath. And don't abuse your betters, even in the privacy of your home. Loose talk as a way of getting picked up and spread around. Little birds, drop the crumbs of your gossip far and wide. Ecclesiastes 11 verse 1. Be generous, invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. Don't hoard your goods, spread them around. Be a blessing to others. This could be your last night. When the clouds are full of water, it rains. When the wind blows down a tree, it lies where it falls. Don't sit there watching the wind. Do your own work. Don't stare at the clouds. Get on with your life. And lastly, and reference in the video, because this is what he was talking about, the, uh, the author sums it up in these words. Besides being wise himself, the quester also taught others, or others knowledge. He weighed, examined, and arranged many proverbs. The quester did his best to find the right words and write the plain truth. Verse 11. The words of the wide prod us to live well. They're like nails hammered home, holding life together. They are given by God, the one shepherd. But regarding anything beyond this, dear friend, go easy. There's no end to the publishing of books and constant study that will wear you out so you're no good for anything else. The last And final word is this, fear God, do what he tells you, and that's it. Eventually, God will bring everything that we do out into the open and judge it according to his hidden intent, whether it's good or evil. Many, many verses, and I'm letting the Bible, I know we've just raced through them, you're thinking, Christian, this is very unusual for you to, there's more a lot more words than Bible. I get that, but I wanted the Bible to do its work, and I'd encourage you to take a note of those, and possibly for you to just reflect and meditate on some of those thoughts around life and leadership and resources 
that we all have. But there was one particular verse in Ecclesiastes that absolutely grabbed me. And this is where I want to go for the time that we've got together. Because Ecclesiastes 3, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles there, and there are, there's been some great songs that have been uh, sung about this because it talks about there is a time for everything. Turn, turn. You know, the old 60s classic. I know some of you are old enough looking around to remember it. And some of them are thinking, the 60s, what is that? Okay. But here we see... These verses of scripture that actually a lot of people in the uh, non-church really understand. They remember them. They know it from songs and from poems and all kinds of things. But what's interesting to notice, there are 28 seasons that are mentioned by the, the king. 28 seasons. But the one that grabbed me was this, found in verse 2. It says, there is a time to be born... And there is a time to die. There is a time to be born. And there is a time to die. I guess for the last two years, three years, I've been impacted by this book and these verses. Some people would say, including my daughter, Dad, stop getting so morbid. But I need to say some things to us. Continue to say some things to us. I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but I do want us to hear the word of the Lord tonight. Because I'm impacted by my life and how do I want to live my life? And more importantly, how can I create a legacy? Now we all understand we have to leave those things to God in a sense because time and chance happen to all and we can plan it out. But I do honestly believe with all my heart that if we will fear God and trust Him and we have a heart that leans into Him and we understand that we want to be wise, not on our own eyes, but leaning into God's wisdom, then I think we have a better chance of God doing something great in our lives. Can I hear an amen? And... Whilst we can't fully understand the outcomes of everything, I do honestly think that we have a choice to make of how we're going to live our life that then brings change and leaves a legacy in those people that we are connected to. Let me define it. The legacy is passing something on or down to another generation. You know, often I've got a nice Rado watch nobody understands what that is that's fine but I've got a nice Rado watch Martin would know it and other people who know and Caroline bought it for my for my 30th birthday um I got a deal on it by the way but anyway that's besides the point and it is original but it was it was super duper deal and uh, it was when we had the business and uh, it was expensive for us at that time and Isaac is intent on getting this Rado watch He's just desperate to get his hands on this Rado watch. So, you know, I think he was waiting for me to drop down dead so, you know, he could get it. And I said to him, let's not wait till then. We'll, we'll p- pass it on to you when you're 18. Then the kids start kicking off while he gets a watch and what do I get? So anyway, all World War Three breaks out. But it's a bloke's watch. You can't give a bloke's watch to a girl. But the point is this legacy is passing something on. Now he's got all his friends around him because he's got a few quid coming to him when he's 18. I can see it. But anyway, this thought of passing something and all down to a generation, that's what it is. But oftentimes, I've used the example of possessions. We're consumed with possessions. 
I'm not talking about leaving a legacy of possessions. I'm talking about leaving a legacy of influence and character. You see, legacy, I've said this before, is not leaving something for people. It's leaving something in people. I'll say that again. Because we need to understand it. Legacy is not about leaving something for people. It's leaving something in people. So here's some thoughts quickly before we get to where I want to get to. I honestly think the greatest legacy, I just worked this out for myself. So this is where you're now going to get some more personal reflections. Where can I leave personally a legacy? Well, first of all, I can leave a legacy in my home. For those who've got a spouse, a partner, or if you haven't, I still think it has a, a, a connection. And if you have, you do it by loving your wife or you love your husband. It's by honouring your parents. Leaving a legacy in your home. Here's another one. I want to leave a legacy with my children and my grandchildren. I want them to know some quotes and phrases and impressions that we've made on them. You know, one of the phrases that I say to Isaac quite a lot in terms of what he does in sport, I say, you can either play now and pay later, or you can pay now and play later. I know it's a catchy phrase, but he's got it. I'll sometimes say to him, what are we going to do tonight at practice? He says, pay now so I can play later. What that means for him, whatever that works out in his life, there may be his friends who start to go and do all that they want to do and some of them at school already, they found girls and all the rest of it. But for him, it's not that he doesn't like girls, he's actually just going to be determined to pay now and he'll play later. One of the phrases that we have around our home is, because I was brought up on an outstanding work ethic from my mum and dad. Both my mum and dad had an outstanding work ethic. And I was raised by a pastor in Milton Keynes who had an outstanding work ethic. And he used to say this, hard work brings a profit. It's in, it's in Proverbs. Hard work brings a profit. And all of my children, all the girls have got it now. They understand what it is to put in a shift. They understand what it is to work hard. They understand that nothing's going to come to them for free. These are some of the legacies that we want to, Caroline and I want to leave in our children. We say to them, dream big. Why, why, if you're going to dream, why dream small? I can see that's gone like a lead balloon. Why dream small? Dream big. Our, our kids live like that. I'm not talking about arrogantly where you have to just take them down a peg or two. I'm talking about dreaming big. I, you know, I lived in a culture in a town that some of you come from where nobody ever thought anything big. That's why Rebecca Adlington, and praise God, what an amazing Olympic swimmer she was. And she's from Mansfield. That's why there was a big hoo-ha about it. But the reality is there needs to be loads more people coming from a town of 100,000 people. And they're in our church, Stephen. And we need to be prophesying over our kids. Dream big. If you're going to dream, dream big. Don't dream small. Some of you are here. Don't dream small, dream big. And believe God for the more over your life. And our kids have got it. What I'm saying is we've leaving an impression. One of the things that Caroline says to them, if you're going to speak, speak words of life. 
They'll go to the graves, our kids, and they'll be passing it to their grandkids. Speak words of life. What are we doing here? We've left nothing of possessions in those. We've left everything of an impression, of phrases, of quotes that have got in their hearts. And that will enable them to move forward. Billy Graham said this, The greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. I want to leave a legacy in our church. I want our church to be expansive, influential. Can I say this? Daring. (laughs) I'm glad there's four of you with me. Daring. There's a legacy of daringness that we dare to believe when others wouldn't believe. We dare to believe it. It's a legacy that we want to leave. And we want to leave a legacy in our area because my Bible tells me that God says, wherever you step your foot, that is your territory. So I'm taking territory in Jesus' name. When I walk around the areas, when I drive around the areas, I'm confessing, God, this is not the devil's, this is ours. The, the area of Cominay and Shipley and West Hallam and Kirkby and Clipston and Forest Town, this is not yours, this is ours hours because I'm believing that I want to leave a legacy in our area here's the thing though most of us don't live like this because all we're concerned in is just the here and now but God is wanting to get our attention because he says there is a time to be born and there's a time to die I said on Sunday there is a time to live and there is a time to die and I said this I'm not afraid to die but I'm also not afraid to live. And it resonated in a few hearts because some people have spoken to me about it. And I then went on to say, do we want to play safe or do we want our days to matter? Because God wants us to live for today, but he also wants us to have our eye on eternity. And I'll take us back again a couple of weeks ago because this is where all my musings gone. The miracle that God, that Jesus did with the man who couldn't see and he had to pray for him twice. And it states clearly in Mark chapter 8 that he now could see clearly. Those who were here remember the phrase, te laugo. Te laugo means for him to see clearly in the present and also in eternity. After that message, somebody said that's impossible. There was looking at something with a pilot and how they view things. I haven't looked at the material. He said it's actually impossible for them to look ahead and down. It's just, he was trying to explain it to me. It was far too complicated for me. But all I said to him, I said, well, I hear it. But all I want to tell you is it could have happened because Jesus said it. So it's the only time it was used. And Jesus was saying to him, not just in your physical sight, but now in your spirit, you can now see today and you can grasp eternity. You can see tomorrow. And I believe that that is what God wants to lead us into. So here's the thought. If you just give me I'm going to give you a few minutes to just work this through. And then if you just give me five minutes after it, because I want to all sum it up. I was thinking about this. This is going to sound really morbid. Please forgive me because it's not meant to be. It's meant to be inspiring. But some of you, I can see you. My goodness. I know it's late, but anyway. Because what I felt was that we needed to write our own obituaries. We need to just write, what do you want to say about you? What do you want to say about you? Here's three obituaries or 
gravestones in a cemetery in Hartscombe, England. On the 22nd of June, Jonathan Fiddle went out of tune. That was one of the... Here's another one in Ribbersford, England. The children of Israel wanted bread and the Lord sent them manna. Old Clark Wallace wanted a wife and the devil sent him Anna. You can read whatever you want into that. And then there's Winston Churchill who declared in his epitaph, I am ready to meet my maker. Whether my maker is prepared for the great ordeal of meeting me is another matter. Well, we shall see, Sir Winston Churchill. What I want us to do, I wonder if we've got them, have we got sheets on the, have we got them here on the table? I want you to just pass them round. Because on it, it just says, I think something like, obituary for, you need to write your name. And there's a tombstone. Let me just give you, if I will, I'm not going to give you all mine, because that's, listen, look at me. That's mine, but I've had a little bit longer at it. But let me just give you some examples, because you're not going to get it all done in five minutes. But I do want you to take it home. I don't want you to be depressed by it, because this is what I want you to do. There's a sense in which your life is what it is up to this point. It just is. But it's what are we going to do now with our lives that God has given to us, this wonderful gift, beautiful gift, the most precious gift called life and breath. So kids, don't get all upset. But this is what I, this is, this will just help you as an illustration and then you can just have two minutes. Christian Paul Thorpe died on August the 1st, 2062. I don't know why August the 1st. I know why it's 2062, because I want to be 90. So I'm asking the Lord, I'd like to be 90. Aged 90 years of age, at his Derbyshire home, surrounded by loved ones who were there to usher him into, into eternity. He leaves behind his loving wife of 70 years. I asked her this afternoon, I said, am I going first or are you going first? And the kids said, actually, mum needs to go first because she won't cope well. But I actually think it'll be the other way. So I'm going first, okay? And he leaves his beautiful wife of 70 years, Caroline, and their four children who he adored, and their spouses, and the 11 grandchildren, (laughs) and the six great-grandchildren, as well as family members, and numerous dear friends. Some of that is fact, as in, my name is Christian Thorpe, I'm married to Caroline, but I'm just saying where I want to be. Now, I don't know. Time and chance happen to us all, but I'm just putting out there, what do I want this life to look like? I put in 2007, he became the pastor of Arena Church and diligently, I hope I've done that, and faithfully have led this church for over 35 years. So I'm telling you where, when I want to be done. If you figure it out, I'm telling you when I'm about to be done. And by the way, I don't want to be leading all, all that time, but we'll leave it to another generation. He helped to help and serve the marginalized and broken in life, always seeking to build up, strengthen, and encourage. He served on numerous non-profit charity boards that gave away millions of pounds. I'm not there, guys. This is what I'm saying I want to be. I want to be on a board that gives away millions of pounds for world social enterprises, church planting, community transformation, and to provide clean water, health care to some of the world's poorest countries. I'm just telling you, this is, these are some of my aspirations. You've never heard me say about this stuff. So I want you for two minutes. 
you might say, this freaks me out. And if that's the conversation around the table, I'm only going to give you two minutes. Get to it. If that freaks you out, that's fine. Talk about why it freaks you out. Or if you say, whoa, this is heavy, this is deep. Yeah, it's heavy and deep. But I do want you to take it away with you. I'm giving you two minutes. You don't have to write it. You might just want to talk about it for a minute. And then we'll draw it all together. Would you, um, the William Booth quote, I'm just going to get rid of and I'm just going to go to that Lever legacy. That's about that big man. 2049. It's not bad, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> awesome. It's discovered it. <laughs> and look at that. Oh, flipping it. Okay. Who found that incredibly, who is finding, finding this incredibly uncomfortable? Just be honest. Yeah, one or two of you. I understand that. I do. Because when I started it this afternoon, I knew I was going to do this. But I thought, I've got to do this first. I found it very, very uncomfortable. Uh, but I want to encourage you to do it at some point. Now, I'm not saying that everything that I've written on my thing, I'm going to come to pass, but what I'm saying is it just gives me a guide. By the way, at the end of it, it talks about our faith. I've told you, our faithfully loved. This goes back to the legacy. Was faithful to her for 70 years. These are the things. There's nothing in there about what I accumulated. Actually, it does talk about a little bolt hole in Florida, (laughs) if, if that's all right. Just a little bolt hole in Florida. But it is just a little, it's in there, a little bolt hole. It just nips over there. But there's nothing in there. As she talks about how, how much money we want to give away. How, we, how much money we want to give away. Because there's an entrepreneurial leader in me. There's a resourcefulness. There's a frugality that we live with. Even though some of you don't think we do. There's a frugality that we live with that allows us to give away a lot. So I want to encourage you to do it. Because I think legacy is so, so important. I pray that none of you die yet. We've had another two funerals this year. We had three last year, which were very uncomfortable because I didn't want any of those people to die. But death is part of life. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. But what are we going to do with this thing called 
life. And this sets us on a pathway. So here's the thought as I just conclude it and just draw it all together. And there's so much more I could say, honestly, that I'm just having to cut out notes and and different things because of time. But how do we leave a legacy? Well, I'd encourage you, those who are small group leaders, to probably have this, I'm looking at Des and Sue because they're here, probably to have a little bit of a conversation around that in the group and some other groups, whatever you're in. Some staff, youth guys, even some of the youth guys, what are we going to do? And I think you need to have some conversation around this. But I honestly think that we can leave a legacy and we can do so through intentionality. If you want to write these down, we do it through intentionality. Remember? It's not about leaving something for people, it's leaving something in people. We do it extravagantly. We do it joyfully. And yet we do it sacrificially. You know, some people who are sacrificing, they, the whole world knows it. Because they have a face. That's why Jesus addressed, and, and the scriptures address the whole thing of fasting. When you're fasting, just put oils on your face. Look, even though it may be a struggle. Because the sacrifice sometimes is painful, but we still do it joyfully. You know, we leave a legacy willingly. We do it generously. We do it passionately. Listen, we do it determinedly. I'm determined to leave a legacy. We do it patiently. And we do it lovingly. I love what William Booth's son, Bramwell Booth, said about his dad, General William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. At his graveside, he said this, If you were to ask me, I think I could say the happiest man I ever knew was the general. He was a glad spirit. He rose up on the crest of the stormy billows and praised God and laughed at the devil's rage and went on with his work with joy. I love that kind of phraseology. My kids are able to say that about me when they're burying me. I hope you can as a church. You know, we can influence by how, we, how I live. It's the next slide. We influence by how I live through our character, through our conduct, and through the prayers that we've prayed. Because I want to tell you, every prayer that you're praying, you're laying a seed in the ground, even on behalf of your children and grandchildren and your family and your friends. No prayer is wasted. That's why you need to keep praying. Even when it seems tough, keep praying. Because once you've gone, you can't pray any more prayers. It's done. So keep praying. That's an encouragement. That's the word of the Lord for some of you. So we can influence by how I live, but we can sow, and that is how I give. So there's a how I live, we example it, and there's a sowing, how I give it. You're going to be hearing in the next two months, I mentioned it on Sunday, about something that we're calling Arena 2020. When we was talking with the elders, Phil just made this statement about it being a prophetic call. I wrote it down. I've heard that phrase before, but I felt it. Something happened, Phil, when you said it. It just, I hadn't quite seen it like that, but it was. It's a prophetic call and you're going to hear about it to work. To sow, to give, joyfully, sacrificially, extravagantly, 
And it's going to be for the benefit of others, not for you. So it's going to be for the benefit of others, both now and for those, for some of you, you're not even going to see. And it's a call to us to step into something for us to leave a legacy. I truly believe it with all my heart. And I believe if we'll just take this material, this teaching, some of these scriptures, sorry if it's felt a little bit disjointed, but I hope you've got the thrust of what I'm trying to say. That we take this message and we'll just say, God, this life that you've given me for how many days, I do not know. But I'm going to live it for you. I'm going to give, there was a phrase I think in one of the songs about giving our all. That was right, wasn't it? I'm not always good, but I give my all. I give my all. I was just there and I was mindful that Bob was there. And I don't like to shout too much, but I was just saying when I was near you, but I just give, not about you, but I give my all. And I mean it, Lord. I give my all. Because I want this life to count. I want to leave a legacy for others who are going to be following. I want to leave a legacy for the kids and for my grandkids and for my great-grandbabies as well. Hallelujah. Lilia, God is good. God is good. Amen. Yeah. It's all right. It's a private joke. But anyway, let's stand to our feet. I wonder if the guys...